0: We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Monday, September 18th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. A lot of great listening over there, over 60 well-curated podcasts, wide, wide variety of topics, a bunch of, my, uh, bunch of great brothers and sisters in Christ putting out some great, great content. Uh, definitely giving out for, in a, from a Christian worldview. Definitely worth your while. I will guarantee you, you're going to find something over there you want to listen to. And there's a real probability you'll find more over there to listen to than you have time to listen to it in. So again, I would encourage you to go on over there. I want to continue to point you at the next to final link in our show notes. It is for the Vale Valley Baptist church, give Send go campaign. We are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can commence establishment of a Christian classic education based school to provide a trustworthy alternative here within our community. Uh, Go ahead and click on the link Pastor Jay has provided a very, very thorough description of our goals, where we're heading, stuff like that. So give it a read, and then we would ask three things of you. We'd ask you to pray for us. We'd ask you to prayerfully consider giving to us. And we'd ask you to pass that link along so others can do the same. All right. Well, I know I said that that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do Bible study. I've at least least the first two days of this week. I've got the notes together. We should be able to continue on in our Bible study. We're moving on into John chapter 13, uh, God willing. So let's go at, but let's go ahead and open up. We'll, we'll do our Bible reading for this morning. And then the, in the evening segment, we'll quick, we will continue in our Bible study. So we're going to open up with the Like we usually do on Monday mornings with the second day morning prayer, God over all let's pray. Oh God, all sufficient. Thou hast made and upholdest all things by the word of thy power. Darkness is thy pavilion. Thou walkest on the wings of the wind. All nations are nothing before thee. One generation succeeds another, and we hasten back to the dust. The heavens we behold will vanish away, like the clouds that cover them. The earth we tread on will dissolve as a morning dream. But thou, unchangeable and incorruptible, art forever and ever. God over all, blessed eternally. Infinitely great and glorious art Thou. We are Thy offspring in Thy care. Thy hands have made and fashioned us. Thou hast watched over us with more than parental love, more than maternal tenderness. Thou hast holden our soul in life, and not suffered our feet to be moved. Thy divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. Let us bless Thee at all times, and forget not how Thou hast forgiven our iniquities, healed our diseases, redeemed our lives from destruction, crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfied our mouths with good things, renewed our youth like the eagles. May thy holy scriptures govern every part of our lives and regulate the discharge of all our duties so that we may adorn thy doctrine in all things. Amen. All right. Well, the morning devotion this morning from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for September 18th. Oh, let's see. It is The text for it is from Galatians 5.25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The two most important things in our holy religion are the life of faith and the walk of faith. He who shall rightly understand these is not far from being a master in experimental theology, for they are vital points to a Christian. You will never find true faith unattended by true godliness. On the other hand, you will never discover a true holy life which is not, for its root, a living faith upon the righteousness of Christ woe unto those who seek after the one without the other. There are some who cultivate faith and forget holiness. These may be very high in orthodoxy, but they shall be very deep in condemnation, for they hold the truth in unrighteousness. And there are others who have strained after holiness of life, but have denied the faith, like the Pharisees of old, of whom the Master said they were whitewashed sepulchres. We must have faith, For this is the foundation, we must have holiness of life, for this is the superstructure. Of what service is the mere foundation of a building to a man in the day of tempest? Can he hide himself therein? He wants a house to cover him, as well as a foundation for that house. Even so, we need the superstructure of spiritual life, if we would have comfort in the day of doubt. But seek not a holy life without faith. FOR THAT WOULD BE TO ERECT A HOUSE WHICH CAN AFFORD NO PERMANENT SHELTER, BECAUSE IT HAS NO FOUNDATION ON A ROCK. LET FAITH AND LIFE BE PUT TOGETHER, AND LIKE THE TWO ABUTMENTS OF AN ARCH, THEY WILL MAKE OUR PIETY ENDURING, LIKE LIGHT AND HEAT STREAMING FROM THE SAME SUN. THEY ARE they are ALIKE FULL OF BLESSING. LIKE THE TWO PILLARS OF THE TEMPLE, THEY ARE FOR GLORY AND FOR BEAUTY. THEY ARE TWO STREAMS FROM THE fountain OF GRACE, TWO LAMPS LIT WITH HOLY FIRE, to olive trees watered by heavenly care. O Lord, give us this day life within, and it will reveal itself without to thy glory. All right, well our reading for today we're going to be reading from Isaiah twenty eight verse fourteen through Isaiah thirty verse eleven. Uh, we're going to be reading from Galatians three twenty three to Galatians four thirty one. I think that's the end of Galatians four. Uh, We're going to be reading Psalm 62, and then finally Proverbs 23, verses 19 through 21. So, Isaiah 28, verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, hear the word of Yahweh, O scoffers, who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Because you have said, We have cut a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have made a pact. The overflowing scourge will not reach us when it passes by. For we have made falsehood our refuge, and we have hidden ourselves with lying. Therefore thus says Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation. Firmly placed, he who believes in it will not be disturbed. I will make justice the measuring line, and righteousness the level. Then hail will sweep away the refuge of falsehood, and the waters will overflow the secret place. Your covenant with death will be cancelled, and your pact with Sheol will not stand. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you will become its trampling place. As often as it passes through, it will take you, for morning after morning it will pass through, any time during the day or night, and it will be sheer terror to understand the report. The bed is too short on which to stretch out, and the blanket is too narrow to wrap oneself in. For Yahweh will rise up as at Mount Perizim, he will be stirred up as in the valley of Gibeon. To work his work, his unusual work, and to labor in his labor, his exceptional labor. So now do not carry on as scoffers, lest your fetters be made stronger. For I have heard from Lord Yahweh of hosts, of complete destruction, one that is decreed on all the earth. Give ear and hear my voice, pay attention and hear my words. Does the farmer plow continually to plant seed? Does he continually turn and harrow his ground? Does he not level its surface, and sow dill and scatter cumin, and plant wheat and rose, barley in its place and rye within its area, for his God disciplines and teaches him proper judgment. For dill is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is the wheel of a cart driven over cumin, but dill is beaten out with a staff and cumin with a rod. Grain for bread is crushed, but he does not continue to thresh it, thresh it forever because the wheel of his cart and his horses eventually disturb it. He does not crush it longer. This also comes from Yahweh of hosts, who has made his counsel wonderful and his wisdom great. Isaiah 29 Woe, O Ariel, Ariel the city where David once camped. Add year to year, observe your feasts on schedule. I will bring distress to Ariel, and she will be a city of mourning and moaning, and she will be like an Ariel to me and I will camp against you, encircling you, and I will fortify siege works against you, and I will raise up fortifications against you. Then you will be brought low, from the earth you will speak, and from the dust where you are prostrate, your words will come. Your voice will also be like that of a spirit from the ground, and your speech will whisper from the dust. But it will be that the multitude of your enemies will become like fine dust, and the multitude of the ruthless ones like the chaff which blows away. And it will happen instantly, suddenly, from Yahweh of hosts, you will be punished with thunder and earthquake and loud noise, with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of a consuming fire. And it will be that the multitude of all the nations who wage war against Ariel, even all who wage war against her and her stronghold, and who distress her, will be like a dream, a vision of the night. And it will be as when a hungry man dreams, and behold, he is eating, but he awakens and his soul is empty." Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and behold, he is drinking. But he awakens, and behold, he is faint, and his soul is not quenched. Thus the multitude of all the nations will be who wage war against Mount Zion. Astonish yourselves, and be astonished. Blind yourself, and be blind. They become drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For Yahweh has poured over you a spirit of deep sleep. He has shut your eyes, the prophets, and he has covered your heads, the seers. This entire vision will be to you like the words of a sealed book, which when they give it to the one who is literate, saying, Please read this, he will say, I cannot, for it is sealed. Then the book will be given to the one who does not know how to read a book, saying, Please read this, and he will say, I do not know how to read a book. Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their fear of me is in the command of men learned by rote. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the discernment of their discerning men will be hidden. Woe to those who deeply hide their counsel from Yahweh, and whose deeds are done in a dark place. And they say, Who sees us, or who knows us? You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what is made would say to its maker, He did not make me. Or what is formed, say to him who formed it, he has no understanding? Is it not yet just a little while, before Lebanon will be turned into a fruitful orchard, and the fruitful orchard will be counted as a forest? On that day the deaf will hear the words of a book, and out of darkness and thick darkness the eyes of the blind will see. The afflicted also will increase their gladness in Yahweh, and the needy of mankind will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless will come to an end, and the scoffer will be finished." Indeed, all who are watching out to, out to do evil will be cut off, who cause a person to sin by a word, and ensnare him who reproves at the gate, and defraud the one in the right with meaningless arguments. Therefore thus says Yahweh, who redeemed Abraham, concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall not now be ashamed, and now his face shall not turn pale. But when he sees his children the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify my name. Indeed, they will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and will stand trembling before the God of Israel. Those who err in spirit will know discernment, and those who criticize will gain learning. Isaiah 30, reading through to verse 11. Woe to the rebellious children, declares Yahweh, who execute counsel but not mine, and make an alliance but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin, who go down to Egypt but did not ask me to find strength in the strong defense of Pharaoh, and to take refuge in the shadow of Egypt. Hang on a minute, I need a drink. Excuse me, continuing on at verse 4. No, sorry, verse 3, continuing on, uh, chapter 30, verse 3. Therefore the strong defense of Pharaoh will be your shame, and the refuge in the shadow of Egypt your dishonor. For their princes are at Zoan, and their messengers reach Hanes. Everyone will be ashamed because of a people who cannot profit them, who are not for help or profit, but for a shame and also for reproach. The oracle concerning the beasts of the Negev, through a land of distress and anguish, from where come lioness and lion, viper and flying fiery serpent, they carry their wealth on the backs of young donkeys, and their treasures on camels' humps, to a people who cannot profit them, even Egypt whose help is vain and empty." Therefore I have called her Rahab who has ceased. Now go, write it on a tablet before them and inscribe it on a scroll, that it may be in the time to come, as a witness forever. For this is, is a rebellious people, false sons, sons who are not willing to listen to the law of Yahweh, who say to the seers you must not see, and to those who have visions you must not behold visions for us of what is right. Speak to us pleasant world words, behold visions of illusions. Get out of the way, turn aside from the path, cease speaking before us about the Holy One of Israel. All right, Galatians 3, verse 23 through the end of the chapter. But before faith came, we were held in custody under the law, being shut up for the coming faith to be revealed. Therefore the law has become our tutor unto Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to promise. Galatians 4. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything but he is under guardians and stewards until the date set by the father so also we while we were children were enslaved under the elemental things of the world but when the fullness of the time came god sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law so that he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons and because you are sons god sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying abba father Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now, having known God, or rather having been known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things, to which you want to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you for nothing. I beg of you, brothers, become, a, so, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong. But you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I proclaimed the gospel to you the first time. And that which was, trial, was a trial to you in my bodily condition you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is that sense of blessing you had? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. So have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They zealously seek you, not commendably, but they wish to shut you out so that you will will zealously seek them. But it is good always to be zealously sought in a commendable manner, and not only when I am present with you. My children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. But I could wish to be present with you now, and to change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who want to be under law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the servant woman, and one by the free woman. But the son by the servant woman had been born according to the flesh, while the son by the free woman through the promise. This is spoken with allegory, For these women are two covenants, one from Mount Sinai bearing children into slavery. She is Hagar. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not give birth. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate one than of the one who has a husband. And you, brothers, in accordance with Isaac, are children of promise. But as at that time he who was born according to the flesh was persecuting him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the servant woman and her son, for the son of the servant woman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brothers, we are not children of a servant woman, but of the free woman. Psalm sixty two. For the choir director, according to Jeduthun, a psalm of David. Surely my soul waits in silence for God. From Him is my salvation. Surely He is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you assail a man, that you may murder him, all of you? Like a leaning wall, like a fence thrust down. Surely they have counseled to thrust him down from his high position. They find pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. Selah Surely wait in silence for God, O my soul, for my hope is from Him. Surely He is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold, I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge, is in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah Surely men of low degree are merely vanity, and men of rank are a lie. In the balances they go up; they are together lighter than a breath of vanity. Do not trust in oppression, and do not put vain hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that strength belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs loving kindness, for you repay a man, for you repay a man according to his work. Proverbs 23 verses 19 through 21. You, my son, listen and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat for the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will close clothe them with rags. All right. Well, that is our reading for this morning. I hope I thank you for spending this time with me. Um, I, 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 pray that this time together helps to keep you saturated in the word. Obviously, you still need to do your own reading. Um, so so please be about doing that. But we need to stay saturated in the word. We are called to do so. Um, but again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And I hope to see you for the evening segment. Let's go ahead and close out with prayer. The prayer we're going to use from Valley of Vision is called Living by Prayer. Let's pray, O God of the open ear, teach me to live by prayer as well as by providence, for myself, soul, body, children, family, church. give me a heart framable to thy will, so might I live in prayer and honor thee. Being kept from evil, known and unknown, help me to see the sin that accompanies all I do, and the good I can distil from everything. Let me know that the work of prayer is to bring my will to thine, and that without this it is folly to pray. When I try to bring thy will to mine, it is to command Christ, to be above him and wiser than he. This is my sin and pride. I can only succeed when I pray according to thy precept and promise, and to be done with as it as it pleases thee, according to thy sovereign will. When thou commandest me to pray for pardon, peace, brokenness, it is because thou, w- thou wilt give me the thing promised for thy glory, as well as for my good. Help me not only to desire small things, but with holy boldness to desire great things. For thy people, for myself, that they and I might live to show thy glory. Teach me that it is wisdom for me to pray for all I have, out of love, willingly, not of necessity. That I may come to thee at any time, to lay open my needs acceptably to thee. That my great sin lies in my not keeping the savor of thy ways. That the remembrance of this truth is one way. the sense of thy presence that there is no wrath like the wrath of being governed by my own lusts for my own ends amen all right again thank you for spending this time with me and i hope to see you for the evening segment have a great day god bless Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Monday, September 18th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right, we're going to be continuing on in our program. Uh, We're going to be working on our Bible study. We are now in John chapter 13. We're going to start out in John chapter 13. So let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Uh, the prayer we're going to use to open up with from Valley Vision is called "The Infinite and the Finite." Let's pray. Thou, great I am, fill my mind with elevation and grandeur at the thought of a being, with whom one day it is a, it is as I'm sorry, with which with one day, is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. A mighty God who amidst the lapse of worlds and the revolutions of empires feels no variableness, but is glorious in immortality. May I rejoice that while men die, the Lord lives, that while all creatures are broken reeds, empty cisterns, fading flowers, withering grass, he is the rock of ages, the foundation of living waters. Turn my heart from vanity, from dissatisfactions, from uncertainties of the present state, to an eternal interest in Christ. Let me remember that life is short and unforeseen, and is only an opportunity for useless usefulness. Give me a holy avarice to redeem the time, to awake at every call to charity and piety, so that I may feed the hungry, clothe the naked, instruct the ignorant, reclaim the vicious, forgive the offender, diffuse the gospel, show neighborly love to all. Let me live a life of self-distrust, dependence on myself, mortification, crucifixion, prayer. Amen. Oh, right in the evening devotion from Spurgeon's morning and evening. the text is from John 10, so where we've recently been John 10:27 and they follow me. We should follow our Lord as unhesitatingly as sheep follow their shepherd, for he has a right to lead us wherever he pleases. We are not our own, we are bought with a price. Let us recognize the rights of the redeeming blood. The soldier follows his captain. The servant obeys his master. Much more must we follow our Redeemer, to whom we are a purchased possession. We are not true to our profession of being Christians, if we question the bidding of our leader and commander. Submission is our duty. Cavilling is our folly. Often might our Lord say to us as to Peter, What is that to thee? Follow thou me. Wherever Jesus may lead us, he goes before us. If we know not where we go, we know with whom we go. With such a companion, who will dread the perils of the road? The journey may be long, but His everlasting arms will carry us to the end. The presence of Jesus is the assurance of eternal salvation. Because He lives, we shall live also. We should follow Christ in simplicity and faith, because the paths in which He leads us all end in glory and immortality. It is true they may not be smooth paths, they may be covered with sharp, flinty trials, but they lead to the city which hath foundations, whose builders and whose builder and maker is God. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant. Let us put full trust in our leader, since we know that come prosperity or adversity, sickness or health, pop- popularity or contempt, his purpose shall be worked out, and that purpose shall be pure unmingled good to every air of mercy. We shall find it sweet to go up the bleak side of the hill with Christ, and when rain and snow plow into our faces, his dear love will make us far more blessed than those who sit at home and warm their hands at the world's fire. To the top of Amana, to the dens of lions, or to the hills of leopards, we will follow our beloved. Precious Jesus, draw us, and we will run after thee. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to be getting into our study of our, right now we're going to be getting into our study of John chapter 13. We're continuing on our study of the gospel of John and we're getting into John chapter 13. Uh, we finished John 12 on Friday. And so, so we've got a major break here. So we, we need to, we need to understand that is there is a big, big break here. Um, and I was mentioning it as we closed out chapter 12. And so like I said, we, we want to really get a grip on this, that John, the gospel of John through chapter 12 is Jesus' public ministry to those who would reject him, okay? Yes, we ran across a few instances in there where there were people who seemed to believe the Samaritan woman at the well, the people, some at least some of the people in the village of Sychar, you know, there's a few others, um, the man who was born blind. But for the most part, throughout his public ministry, we've watched as the crowds and the religious leadership rejected the salvation he brought, rejected his method. We've watched that. It's been basically the public ministry of rejection. Well, what we're going to watch here from John 13 through 17, these five chapters, is Jesus' private ministry to those who have accepted him, to those who do have faith in him, meaning the 12 and the few around them. We're going to watch his ministry to them as he heads to the cross. Now, we need to remember, this is all going to happen within an evening, John 13 through 17. All happens within an even, evening. This is what's called the upper room discourse. Um, the upper room, again, the upper room was where they went to have a feast. Now, the Gospel of John doesn't record the finding of the upper room and all that stuff. That would be in your parallel passages in the Synoptic Gospel. So you're more than welcome, and I would encourage you to go dig, dig into those and read through how they found the upper room. It was an upper room and a home in Jerusalem where... Um, the, the 12 went to prepare for the Passover dinner, um, for the Passover meal, um, which we'll talk about that in a minute, talk about what that celebration was. Um, but the gospel of John doesn't record that, but John 13 through 17 is Jesus discourse, his teaching of them on the night before he's arrested on the night that he is arrested on that evening, that, that night. And then he's arrested and crucified the next day. So again, he's within 24 hours of being crucified at this point. And he knows it. And we have to be aware of that. But again, this, like I said, this goes from the 12 chapters of basically his his public ministry of rejection to this his private ministry of acceptance of, of a true saving faith. So that's what we're seeing here. But what we're going to see right here, and I, and I've got to, I've got to fess up. John 13 is one of my favorite, especially the beginning here is one of my favorite chapters. Um, and on almost a regular basis, when I read it, it chokes me up. It really does choke me up. Um, reading how Jesus addressed or dealt with the apostles here, um, and please, you know, a lot of people, when they, when they look at the upper room, when they, they look at the last supper, the Lord's supper and all of that. And, and, and I say that knowing like in our church, we actually celebrate it every week. We, we do communion every week as, as a memory of the Lord's supper. Um, and honestly, the supper is not what sticks out to me. What we're going to see in our in our verses through, that we'll see through this early part of this week, um, in a section which uh, John MacArthur calls the humility of love. And again, I've I've told you before I use his headers and subheaders and stuff like that because it's easier to organize and just and and make m- make progress because I've got multiple sermons I have to get ready for the coming weekend and following week and stuff like that. So it. it makes me much more efficient using that. But he calls this, these first 17 verses of John 13, the humility of love. And that's what stands out to me in Jesus watching the disciples' feet, the humility he shows there. And what an example for us. And again, I'm not, I'm not I mean I mean he does do it for for the 12 and he's trying to model for them how they should be, but it models for us too. And that's always kind of punched me in the gut and it really does kind of choke me up here. But let's, let's kind of look at, at love as a whole, because the fact is the love that Jesus showed the, the love that he modeled is not what we see love in our, in our modern day. And I think that's where We can struggle as we're studying in the scriptures because what our society, what our culture has changed the definition for things leaves us very, very in a very, very hard place to understand what's being said to us, what has been written in the scripture and how that applies to us that it can make us stumble. So Let's talk a little bit. And and most of these things I'm going to say to you, they're not going to be surprising. I mean, I, I wish, all you got to do is watch the news or look out at the world around you and you know this is going on. But when you talk about them, because it colors what Jesus is doing here. I mean, it, it honestly colors the entirety of the Gospels um, but or even the entirety of the Scripture. But we're going to deal with it specifically in light of of these words that we're, that we're dealing with here. All right. Now I hope I don't shock you when I tell you that what our, what our society in this day and age considers love is truthfully a narcissistic, self-focused, selfish, me first repugnant, disgusting, um, nasty ball of garbage. It truly is. It's, it's not love. Um, it's, it's all about what can I get? How can I be taken care of? How can I get my needs met? How can, how can I do for me? How can I, you know, particularly, um, with, with, with your spouse, um, or unfortunately people doing partners, which I don't agree with is not, it's not, is not Christian, but you know, it, it's all about what is, what, what can I get for me out of this relationship? And that's, that's not love that, that, I mean, that's not love in any case. I mean, we, we talk about biblically that there are three types of love there there is um and i'm not going to remember them all that's going to bother me um there's phileo and that's the greek i think that's the greek phileo it's it's a filial love it's a brotherly love that's where the, where we get the name philadelphia and it's called the city of brotherly love though though from what i've seen nowadays um I- i don't know that that applies as much no offense to any of you who are from philadelphia it's just i mean it's true i don't know that there's any city in the united states that you'd call city of brotherly love anymore that as sad as that is but there's the phileo and there's agape and i wish i could remember the other one but the other one is a more general love but then there's agape which which is a very very deep intimate love um Agape would be the kind of love I have with my wife. It'd be that kind of relationship. None of those are what I'm talking about and what, what our society says love is. It's not. Um, All you got to do is watch what Hollywood is putting, putting out. It's very, very easy to go. Well, that's just Hollywood. That's not the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Hollywood. And what it puts out is a microcosm of what our society is. They're putting out what you want to watch and what you want to watch is what's going on and around the world in you because you see what's going on and you do the same thing. Um, too many, too many kids growing up um, seeing stuff in Hollywood and thinking that's it. So in their relationships, you know what, what they've been shown there. So in their relationships, they behave that way. And believe me, this isn't, this isn't new. Um, honestly, when I was growing up, um, the, the, I grew grew up and I hit my teen years in the eighties, and some some of the movies that came out and oh I wish I could think of the guy's name, um, but you know, um, sixteen candles, can't buy me love, uh, pretty in pink, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Movies like that and that made you think that that's what that was like, and, and it was all sweet and everything. But but at best, it gave maybe a slight positive to it, but not much. But really, it didn't describe what love was. And in all those cases, really, if you look into it, it was about, what can I get for me? What can I get for me? That's how our society sees love. And unfortunately, if we're not careful, that's how we can see love. I've got, I've got to be honest with you. Really early in our marriage, um, Tara and I struggled a bit. And what allowed us, well, one, we came to a saving faith. That was a big help. Um because, because it could the, cut the feet out from underneath us when we kept trying to do what's best for, for ourselves. Um, but the other was, it was very much a um, somebody coming to us and telling us what we had to do is if I put Tara's needs before my own and if Tara put my needs before her own, that our marriage would change. And it does. And it did. I mean, it was just, it, it, the world of difference. We put each other's needs before our own. Are we perfect at it? No. But the fact is, the difference in our marriage was night and day this is the kind of love so that when this talks about the humility of love what you're going to see here in in john chapter 13 and you're going to see throughout through john 17 is jesus showing that love in this first part he shows it through true humility um i in our society and especially those that want to uh Well, they they want to be anti-Christian and it's because they say, well, one, you're, 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 you're not inclusive and you're not very loving and and your faith is not very loving. I I would absolutely disagree with them. And here's why. Our race. Deserve to be wiped out. In Genesis 3, for all time, you can disagree with me all you want to, but them's the facts. So deal with it. Um, And I say that to myself as well, because, you know, we as humans, we want to see ourselves as value. Now, God loved us, but man, did we deserve and do we outside of the grace of God deserve to be wiped off the face of the earth in spite of that. And due to no value of our own, no, no, any bit, no, no, any positive thing about us. Jesus agreed to be humbled to the point where he was born here in human form, lived a perfect life, faced beatings and crucifixion and and all involved, including facing the wrath of God for the, for all the sins of those who would come to a saving faith to provide a mode of salvation for, for, Animals like ourselves who could not save ourselves, who had no capability to save ourselves. If that's not love, I don't know what is. The fact is he, he had no responsibility to do any of that, but he loved us in spite of it and he did it for us. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, like I said, we've we've been coming up through all of this. um, And and this actually kind of is apropos. uh, You see in the very in the very beginning of John um, and actually like they, they typically consider the first 20 verses of John or so or the first 18 verses of John being kind of the prelude to the gospel. And we see it here. Um, This is speaking of Jesus and verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to what was his own and those who were his own did not receive him. Again, like I said, that's John 1 through 12. They didn't receive him. They ignored him. Yet. In spite of every bit of that. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. He put us first. I, I'm sorry, Philippians 2.8 says it clearly. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. And it's and, and I've watched I've I've seen way too many people try to go, oh yeah, but he was God and he knew what was going to happen, etc., etc. We we dealt a while back about the agony of Christ as he Christ as he faced the cross. Don't get me wrong, he was fully man and fully God. So he felt every bit of anxiety, every every bit of fear, every bit of concern, even while persevering to the cross and persevering through the wrath of God being inflicted upon him. This was not any easy thing. We, we, We cannot be blasé about that. But what love that has to show for him to suffer that for us. So what we, what we see here, and we're going to deal with just the very first verse, because I want to do a little bit of a lead in here. You got to understand, we are going to see Christ's love manifest. Now, don't get me wrong. We've watched his love be manifest across 12 chapters here, and he's been complete, com- continuously derided, berated, um, called names, um, blasphemed. Told he must have a devil, he must have a demon. Throughout this, while he has done miracles that only could have come from God, including raising a man from the dead. But they won't come. So he turns here to those who have come. Those who do believe. So, John 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So I'm going to do this in a little weird order. Well, actually I'm not now before. So it says now before the feast of the Passover now, um, and MacArthur brings this up. Hang on. I need to drink. Sorry, I was getting a little dry there. So MacArthur addresses this, and I never really realized this. We end up with kind of what can be considered a contrast here. Uh, Well, no, a contrast, a conflict, excuse me, better word, conflict here between John and the Synoptic Gospels because of the way they refer to this. So this speaks of before the feast of the Passover, these gentlemen eating or well, them getting together and having this supper and this. But but in the other cases, they're referred to as it this being a Passover meal. Um, you can dig into it. Please do. Um, what what MacArthur points out is the fact being that. In that time. People figured days differently, as weird as that sounds. I've talked to you before in some cases. um, Some saw the day as being from sunrise to sunrise. Some saw the day as being from sunset to sunset. So because and and so I I think it was the way MacArthur said it is those um, from Galilee and northern Israel tended to tended to view the day as from sunrise to sunrise while those in Judea in Southern Israel viewed it from sunset to sunset. So while, Oh, I'm trying to figure it out anyways. So, so basically what it meant is, you know, um, so, they would refer to them slightly differently. This one being before the feast of the Passover and the others referring to it happening at Passover can be very well, very easily explained by the fact of referring to days differently. They're talking about the same event, but they're counting their days slightly different happened on the same day. So don't get too caught up on that. Again, I didn't want to get into any more detail because again, it's, 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 it's arguing something that doesn't really need to be argued, but next part, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come again, we we've seen throughout the gospel of John where he's gone. It's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. Removing himself because, and John says he removed himself because it wasn't yet time. I mean, we've seen that throughout the gospel of John, but here he's saying, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the father so being very, john is john the apostle is being very very clear here that jesus knew this at this point here in the upper room jesus is aware that the time has come for him to be crucified but i think that the most important part of this is right here having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end and he did i mean the fact is he knows what's coming for himself but he knows what's coming for them as well um case in point anybody that had ever risen up and seemed to be the possibility of a problem for the romans or whatever else when that person died or was killed or whatever their disciples got scattered to the winds i mean in some cases their disciples got brought in and slaughtered So when Jesus is crucified here within about 24 hours, chronologically from where we're at in John 13, verse one, we're going to see these disciples hiding behind locked doors, certain that the Romans are going to come piling in and take them and, and mass slaughter them, which is understandable. And Jesus knows this is coming, but he also knows that these are those who are going to have to take the gospel out into the world. That they are where this new covenant starts. So he buoys them up over these next five chapters. He shows his love for them. He gives them the strength to be able to hang on and persevere. Through all that's going to happen. And what riches there are there of Christ's love that he loved them to the end. And believe me, we're talking, we're talking guys. I mean, John and James who want to, who, who want to see if they can get Jesus con con Jesus or ride Jesus to get him, to put them at his right hand, put them over the other, the other apostles or Thomas who doubts, you know, we doubting Thomas and we'll see that after the crucifixion, but Thomas who's going to doubt Peter who's going to deny him three times. And sometimes just cannot help but open his mouth and stick both feet in up to the knee. Okay? These are them. But he loves them to the end. And he loves them such that we're going to be walking through here in the next week or in the, in the next couple of days into one of what I've con- always considered one of the greatest acts of love. The washing of their feet. And how amazing that is. Like I said, it always chokes me up to think that Christ loved them so much. He would humble himself to wash their feet. Which honestly was a small thing for him because he, was, he had humbled himself to the point where he's going to die for them and for you and me. And what great humility of love this manifests. All right well that's going to do it for tonight um let's go ahead and close out in prayer we're going to close out with the second day evening prayer it's called bounty let's pray thou great and only potentate thou hast made summer and winter day and night each of these revolutions serves our our welfare and is full of thy care and kindness thy bounty is seen in the relations that train us The laws that defend us, the homes that shelter us, the food that builds us, the raiment that comforts us, the continuance of our health, members, senses, understanding, memory, affection, will. But as stars fade before the rising sun, thou hast eclipsed all these benefits in the wisdom and grace that purposed redemption by Jesus thy Son. Blessed be thy mercy that laid help on one that is mighty and willing, one that is able to save to the uttermost. Make us deeply sensible of our need of His saving grace, of the blood that cleanses, of the rest He has promised, and impute to us that righteousness which justifies the guilty. Gives them a title to eternal life and possession of the Spirit. May we love the freeness of salvation and joy in its holiness. Give us faith to grasp Thy promises that are our hope, provide for every exigency, and prevent every evil. Keep our hearts from straying after forbidden pleasures. May thy will bind all our wishes. Let us live out of the world as to its spirit, maxim, manners, but live in it as the sphere of our action and usefulness. May we be alive to every call of duty, accepting without question thy determination of our circumstances and our service. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for spending this time with me this evening. I hope this has helped to get you prepped as we dive into John chapter 13. Um, I, I I really always look forward when I'm even when I'm reading this section of John chapter 13 through 17. Um, it's just so watching the love that Christ shows these 12 in his teachings and in the things he does is just just amazing. And, and like John or John 13 verse one said he loved them to the end and he loves us to the end. All right. Well, thank you again for spending this time with me, and I hope you have a wonderful evening. I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Have a great night. God bless.